0: Kids grow up so fast, don't they? I mean, it doesn't seem to take very long before they've gone from pampers to pimples to prom to president. And as parents, we can be cuddling with our newborn one moment and seemingly the very next moment we're hugging that college freshman goodbye. I mean, it's so crazy because the present In real time, the days seem so long, and yet the years go by so fast. They're so short, and that's why we as parents and we as the church have to pay particular attention to those small yet very pivotal moments in everyday life or we're going to miss them. And if we miss them, we miss the chance to leverage that opportunity to help someone experience God's unconditional love, God's unconditional forgiveness. Last week, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's a couple of verses there that are known as the Shema. I just love saying that word, Shema. I and mean, if you've never said Shema out loud, now would be a perfect time to do that. This is a kind of a judgment-free zone. You may not get me any other opportunities to say Shema. The Shema, the Shema, at the very core of the Shema, is a love of God. And it's one of the first verses that that Jewish children learn. And Jesus said, "This this is in fact the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. But when God gave that commandment, he didn't just leave it there. He then immediately followed it with specific instructions about the nation of Israel was to pass along their spiritual heritage to the coming generations. He said, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And he didn't just say, here, you need to pass along your faith and your love to the next generations. He actually gave us a blueprint, gave the nation of Israel and by extension us a blueprint on how we were to do that. Look at verse 7. It says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And you may think, I look at that and I go, as a parent, I go, well, I'm still not sure exactly what that looks like and how I'm supposed to do that. It's a little bit difficult. What do I mean? What do I say? What do I do? Well, here's my 21st century translation of this, of this passage of Scripture. It says, this commandment I give you, love God with everything you've got. Teach it to the next generation. Talk about it with them at dinner time, when you're driving in the car, when you're putting them to bed, as life is happening. Reclaim those moments to point them to a relationship with a living Savior. The point is there are opportunities in every phase of life, in every season of life, for us to establish a relationship with, to learn about, and to experience God. So I'm going to invite you to come along with us this morning as we... Look at some very practical ways that we can reclaim dinner time, and bedtime, and drive time, because honestly, it's time as the people of God that we reclaim the next generation.
1: All right, TV on, and then up football. You ready? I'm good. You can talk with mom when she gets home, Wayne. Hey, you ready to watch some football?
2: Oh, hey, guys. Hey, hey, oh, hey how's home.
1: it going?
2: Oh, good, good, yeah. Hey.
1: Did you have a good day at work?
2: Yeah, it was busy. We had someone, like, call in, so we just ran shorthanded all day, and gosh, it was just... Touchdown! Yes!
1: Oh. Hey, the receiver just scored. you see that? Oh, I'm good. I'm got. i got, I'm playing Randy in fantasy this we're week. i got to beat him. Not, I'm up by seven now. It's fantasy. I, I got it. Again?
2: Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, didn't we watch that last night, though? Well, it was Sunday yeah.
1: night football. My quarterback was playing. But so. we
2: watched it the night before, too.
1: But that's college, and, it and we count. watched
2: it the night before. Pretty well, that's sure. high
1: school, so again, and, so doesn't count. You know,
2: Thursday, Wednesday. Well, there's sure no football on
1: Wednesday, so we can play on Wednesday,
2: oh, yeah, today. or hang out, or whatever you want to do. On Wednesdays, okay. Hey, uh, Olivia, how, made dinner for us. Yeah, can I know.
1: We're, gonna, we're gonna watch the game.
2: All right, but how was your day? No, I'm good. No, that's uh, not appropriate answer, actually. Um, how was wrestling practice?
3: No, I'm
4: good.
2: No, okay. Uh so you know, like that truck you've been saving for. How about how about we just give it to you? You know? It's fine. No, I'm good. Okay. All right, and like a thousand dollars, if I just throw that in, that, is, is that okay? I'm oh, good. Okay, that's it. All right, let's let's try something different. Just turn off the TV.
0: Well, the let's, no,
2: we're not gonna do that tonight. Let's but let's try to go to the table. Let's just try it. Okay. It's worth a shot. Okay, okay. Okay, phones okay. down, let's leave the phones here.
1: Fine. Yeah. Okay. Right. Come on guys. Right, let's go to the table. Let's go to the table.
2: Yeah, let's just try it. We have this table. And it works. We bought it. I, I thought
1: think. it was just for decorations and homework.
2: Yeah, I know. We store our stuff here, but let's try to, like, eat at it.
1: Okay. It okay.
2: works super well. Yeah, there we go. Okay, Olivia. Yeah, in see. the middle. There you go, baby. Okay. Go. How about to, Olivia, would you like to pray for our food here? Let's try. Okay. All right, you want to hold my hand for or the baby's hand? There you go. Okay. okay, you can hold the baby's hand. Okay. Okay. Thank you
4: for all our food and um and for the baby and for
5: Baba and Mommy and Daddy and me and Amen. 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 Great
1: Thank prayer. Thank
2: you so much. Awesome. Great. See, the our table works good.
1: Did uh, Olivia tell you she picked out dinner? She did. Yeah, yeah you did a great job putting this in
2: the microwave. It was good. Yeah,
1: all it of good. Thirty seconds. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, let's try something. Let's try something new tonight. Okay. Um, how about we uh, we do a thing where we just get conversation going. We uh, we talk about the best part of our day and the the worst part of our day. We can call it a, we can call it our high low. Okay. Does that work? Yeah. Bubba, you want to start?
2: Um.
1: Yeah. Sure, uh, I'd not. say. My high was getting cleared by the doctor to get back to wrestling practice. Yeah. Oh, Full yeah. Contact. Did you talk to coach about it? Yeah, I let them know they're excited to get me back in and stuff. Okay, okay. You feeling okay with it?
2: Yeah. Get right. some good movement in there. All right. Good. Okay. What was your low? Um, oh, yeah. One of my uh, friends made me aware that his parents are getting a divorce.
1: Oh, sorry to hear that. Did, uh, did you get a chance to talk to him much, or was it just kind of... No, like, it was just
2: as uh, we were passing in the hallway. So okay. So it was tough.
1: Now, I'd really encourage you to... to try to reach out to him and, and visit with him you know um i was reading just the other day about a scripture that's sect about how you know all who are weary and you know our burdens are heavy um come to me and that was what christ was saying so i, I really think you know taking the opportunity to talk to him and just letting him know that he's loved um let him know you're there as a friend um i think you, that would be really cool for you to just reach out to him what do you think yeah, yeah um for sure we can uh, we can after after dinner we can grab the bible and we can see if we can find that scripture and make sure if we want to do anything else with it, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah, this week. How about like every time we sit down at the table, we'll just really commit to praying for him and his family, and uh, I think that'd be great. I'm yeah, good? Yeah.
1: Hey, uh, I'm surprised you didn't have two loaves tonight. Well, the one that you said, and then the fact that you just missed out on a brand new truck and a thousand dollars from your mom.
4: <laughs> yep, <laughs> so how do we reclaim the dinner table? I mean. It's hard enough to get everything put together and we've had a long day at work I think the crow family showed us a really good place to start and that's just merely st- Sitting at the table together Now we have some simple strategies that we're going to share with you today That are called life hacks and these life hacks are meant to help Give some guidance on how to make these times more meaningful in your family So life hack number one for the dinner table is to put away the electronic devices. Now, I know after a long day of work or maybe school, it's just so easy to whip out that cell phone and escape into the land of nothing. You know what I'm talking about? You just keep on mindlessly scrolling through whatever Facebook status is going on. Just put it away. You might be missing conversations that you might not ever get back again. So if you're like the family, uh, the Franklin family, and you struggle with that sometimes, I'm not saying you do, but I know that we do, maybe create a box or get a basket that you put on the center of your table. And every time you come to the table, your family knows that that's just a standard and a rule. And they'll get comfortable with it. They'll get used to it. The second life hack that we have is for you parents. And that's to... That's to think facilitator. So when you get to the table and you're trying to have these conversations, instead of confronting them with conversations, invite them into those conversations and be a facilitator, somebody who guides the conversation, taking life as it happens and walking alongside them, bringing in some of those biblical truths or family values that you can speak into them. Based off of whatever they're saying that comes from their day And the final life hack um, is something that we have found really helpful in our family And that's to ask specific questions instead of general open-ended questions When you ask those general open-ended questions, you're going to get answers such as fine Well, how was work today? Fine But if you ask specific questions, it's easier for them to think of a specific moment that they might want to share with you. So they gave us the examples of highs and lows. Another idea is to say, what was your rose for today? What was something good that happened to you? Or what was your thorn? What was something that was sad that happened to you today? Or our family, we like to end ours or even sometimes begin because it's one of our values is what's one thing that made you laugh today? We love to laugh and play together, and it's something that we do to enjoy time together. So we ask our kids, what was one thing that made you laugh? The point is to ask the same questions every single day, and they'll begin to anticipate those questions. They'll look in their day, oh, this is totally my thorn today, or this is my rose today. And then when you come to the dinner table, it's easier to have those meaningful conversations. The point of dinner time is for it to be interactive and relational, not a lecture. Now, have you ever wondered how you can reclaim bedtime? Well, it's time for us to reclaim bedtime.
6: Really, guys? Ball in the house again? How many times do I have to tell you there's no playing ball in the house? Come on, I told you guys to get ready for bed. Let's go.
5: Emily, I thought you were supposed to be doing your homework. I am. I'm looking something up. Okay. Well, hurry up and finish up because it's time for bed, and I need you to go plug your phone in the kitchen, please.
2: Can I just please keep it in my room tonight?
5: Why do you want to keep it in your room?
2: Just so I can use it as an alarm.
5: You have an alarm, a really nice alarm. Hey, you know, we've talked about this before. And I trust you. I know you're not going to be texting and calling your, phone, your friends all night, but I can't say so much for your friends. And I don't want you tempted to have to reply to them when you should be sleeping. You know, it's just not wise to keep your phone in the room. It's our family house rule. Yes, ma'am. You know that. Okay. Owen, a wise son. Heeds his, his
2: father's, father's instructions.
6: All right, finish up. Seriously? I told you guys to go to bed. You guys have got to start listening better. Abby, go get ready for bed. Luke, get in bed, dude. Come on, man. Buddy, you've got to start doing a better job of listening, okay? All right? Now, good night. I love you. Can you put the light on? Sure, buddy. I guess I can keep the light on for you tonight. Okay? Are you okay? Are you scared of the dark? You know what, buddy? Let me tell you a story. Even the disciples, they were scared at times. You know, there's a time when they were out in a boat and a storm came up. Now, figure this. These guys are big, strong men, fishermen. They're out in the storms a lot. But this was a huge storm. And they were really afraid. Thunder and lightning booming. Waves crashing over the bow. And they were freaking out, thinking they were going to die. And they made their way over to Jesus and woke him up. I know. He was sleeping during that crazy storm, right? Okay, he stands up, puts his hands out, and he calms the storm. The waves die down, the lightning's gone, and everything's calm again. That's the power of Jesus. You know, those disciples—they had nothing to be worried about because they were with Jesus all the time. You know, the same thing with you, buddy. Okay, Jesus is always with you. And if you just—if you ever have a fear, if you're scared at times, just remember, Jesus is with you. Okay, let's pray.
5: Hey, Kate, why are you not in your jammies yet? I've heard dad tell you two times. Hey, is everything okay? I've been acting a little different. Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, well, how can I pray for you? Well, I guess there is one thing. These last few days at school, Susie's kind of been hanging out with someone else, and I kind of just feel left out and alone. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. Why didn't you tell me sooner? I hate that you're feeling left out. I remember that feeling. You know what? There was this one time I was about your age and every single girl in our class got invited to a birthday party except me. And I remember feeling so sad and all alone. The good thing is it won't last forever. And regardless of how your friends treat you or what they do, I want you to be a good friend. Can you do that? Yes, ma'am. Hey, remember, I love you, and I would choose you every single time. And more important than that, God loves you, and he has chosen you. Thanks, Mom. Let's pray.
4: In the hustle and bustle of bedtime, trying to get everybody to bed on time, you know what I'm talking about, how you're having to say brush your teeth for the 10 millionth time or get to bed, put on your PJs. It can be chaotic to say the least. You can sometimes even feel like you're a general barking orders and that's all you are, right? Well, I know that it can take, it can be difficult to take some time and decompress, take a moment, and do a little soul searching. But life hack number one for bedtime is to be a heart keeper instead of a time keeper focus on their hearts, check on their hearts, create this right atmosphere in order for you to be able to have those intentional conversations. When you're not checking on their hearts and you're so worried about all the preoccupations that you have for the day, you can miss what's going on and what's been tugging on their hearts all day long. So take some space in your your time at, at bedtime and allow them to have conversations with you. The second life hack is to tell a story. Just like Stephen used an opportunity when Luke was scared of the dark and he told a Bible story to show him how Jesus had power, you can take those everyday moments and those conversations that you might have already had and maybe tell a family story or a Bible story that will help them Maybe understand a little bit more of those spiritual truths or family values in an easier way You know that that's what jesus did with parables He took stories like the lost coin or the lost sheep or a prodigal son And he helped his disciples to understand these hard spiritual truths in such an easier way because he took those Everyday life moments as they were happening and told stories So tell a story ask him if you can tell him And the third life hack for bedtime is one that I think is the most important, and that's to create a rhythm of prayer. If you don't do anything, at least ask the question, how can I pray for you today? Now, if you didn't have any conversations at the dinner table or when you created the space earlier, when you're checking on their hearts, by asking them how you can pray for them, I can almost guarantee you they'll at least tell you one thing that went on in their day that they need a little bit of help from you or really from God. And when you ask them how you can pray for them, you are not only showing that you're listening and you care about them, you're also showing them how they can lay their concerns at the feet of God, that you have a big God. And even though you don't know how to answer those hard struggles of the day, God does. And you're giving them a sample example of coming before the throne and laying that down at at his feet. The point in all of that is once again, to have those relational moments, take those pivotal moments that might seem like they go so fast, but man, they make a difference. Now, have you ever wondered how you can reclaim drive time? Here's how you can reclaim drive time. Daniel and the lion's den? That's fun. Have you started learning about Christmas? You have?
5: Oh, and what happened at Christmas? What happened at Christmas? Who was born on Christmas? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Two Two by two. 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 Got me the animals. Get on on that ark.
3: Two
6: by (laughs) Thank <laughs>
3: Day one 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 got me light and dark one, 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 one. to so- Man, hey, be honest, though, you're you're feeling JT just as much as Ruthie was, right? That's how you look when you're in there, you know. Um, I re- I don't recommend that if you're driving, you know. Don't do that uh, that move. But you know, sometimes drive time can be. So chaotic, right? And, and I, I don't know if you're like me or you have kids like me, which would be scary, um, but I, I have a short attention span, okay? And if I see things along the road, I'm like squirrel or cow or, you know, whoa, that reminds me of this story, you know? And, and maybe your kids are the same way. And so when it comes to reclaiming drive time, it takes a lot of intentionality, just like the other ones, just being aware of different things. So let me give you some life hacks within drive time. First of all, create radio silence. Maybe you create a rhythm of in the first five minutes when we get into our car, there is going to be no electronics, there's going to be no radio. Whether that be you're picking up kids from school or you're getting in after the hustle and bustle of the morning and it's all crazy and maybe you were just You know, I don't know, impatient and yelling at your kid for the 50th time to let's go. We got to go. Let's hurry. Um, I think my son thinks that hurry means something opposite than what it actually means. Um, And so so in that first moment in the car, just create radio silence. Ask them some questions. Let them know that you care about what their day was like. The second life hack is that, that take the detour and go off road. And I mean that if you hear something, whether that be in their conversation and and you say, you know what, that reminds me of a story, or you hear them talking about something that they've struggled with, take that detour. You might have had an agenda of how you thought a conversation would go, go, but go off road a little bit, follow up with that because our kids have this amazing way of not telling us what they actually want to say but giving us little hints and these little breadcrumbs that we have to go and follow and pick up, right? And press into a little bit. Another thing that you can do in this to, to take a detour is whenever we hear something on the radio. I don't know if you, in your car, listen to music like JT, you know, can't stop the feeling, or if you listen to other things or you allow secular music, but there's a lot of things even within Christian music or secular music that, that sparks this conversation, Hey, what do you think? He, he just sang this line. What do you think that means? What do you think that is? What do you think that says about our society? Hey, I know your friends really like this. Why do you think they like it so much? And take those detours and go off road a little bit. And the last life hack is just know when to yield. At the end of the day, you're still sitting in a car. You're facing forward, your kids are behind you or beside you, and there might be some heavy moments where you just have to say, you know what, hey, let's pick this up whenever we get home so we can, we can talk face-to-face or we can talk a little bit further about this. Or if you get your, your kid's getting frustrated that you're asking so many questions, be like, all right, let's, let's stop. Let's just jam out a little bit, all right? So, so know when to yield. You know, and you, you, you might have been observing this and, and you've seen these things that we're talking about, at, you know, being intentional at the table and drive time and bedtime. And even last week, as Mike shared, this, this idea of, re, you know, reaching the next generation, this whole Christmas next thing, how we're called to do that. And you might be saying, well, Wade, I, I have I don't have kids at home. I'm a grandparent or I don't have kids at home because I'm single and I'm not there yet. And you might even be watching these things and be like, man, what a blessing that I don't have to get toddlers ready and at the dinner table and in the car anymore. Praise Jesus for emptiness. You might be there, right? But, but regardless of, of where you are in this place, we have to realize that what we're talking about here about how we have to take the commandments that we've heard from God and impress them on our children, impress them on the next generation, that this isn't just for families, that God intended this to be for all of Israel. Even if you look at how this starts, as Randy said, the Shema starts. He said, hear, O Israel. Whenever he said, O Israel, and then he followed it up with these practical things, he said, people of God, people of God, be intentional about how you treat the next generation and how you impress these things that I've taught you on the next generation. So when you look at this, you can really say that whenever he said Israel, that means the church and that church, our local body, the Grace Point Church is a part of that church. And then we know that church isn't this building. It's not the activities that we do here. The church is you. It's me. It's us. We are the church and Mike put up a a map last week that showed all these little Grace Point churches all around northwest Arkansas. This isn't by accident. God has placed you, has placed me, specifically at Grace Point Church so we could be intentional about transferring our faith. 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us that just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts are form one body in Christ, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I love that reminder that God has placed all the parts of the body, me, you, everyone in here, just as he wanted them to be. I don't know how you arrived at Grace Point Church. I don't know if it was just You know, a drive-by, and you saw, hey, that's a cool metal building. I'm going to go check that out. Or maybe you meant to go to the Mormon church next door and (laughs) accidentally came in here. Whether (laughs) you're from out of state or Walmart transplanted here, whatever it might be, God placed you in this body just as he wanted to. And it's for a specific purpose, and it's to reclaim the next generation And so what are we doing? How are we actively seeking out to transfer our faith, to reclaim the next generation? You know, often we see this and we're like, okay, that's Old Testament way. That's cool and all, but it's Old Testament. You know, he's talking to Israel, but, you know, it's a stretch to say that that's the church. And, you know, I and I don't even know where I would start. How do I transfer my faith to the next generation? I'm not a biblical scholar. God hasn't called me to be a pastor. God definitely hasn't called me to be a little kid Sunday school teacher. And and, and so what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do that? See, often we overcomplicate things. We, we think that we have to be able to, you know, exegete a passage, or we have to be able to understand all these really big churchy words, you know, that Mike sometimes uses. You know, we, we we don't have to do that. God very simply lays out in this passage that, you know where you need to start? You need to know that the Lord, your God is one. And you need to love him with everything that you have. We just came off this series that that took us through experiencing God and learning how to hear God's voice. And I know for me personally, as I went through that study, I was just reminded that so often I can be about religious activity. I can prepare the things for my next message or I can plan an event really well for students and I can just really be busy and I can forget about my relationship with God. I can forget about just talking to Him, spending time with them. And so God says, start there church, start there. Love me with everything that you have. And yeah, I know it's Old Testament, but when Jesus came on the scene and, and he became a living example, he started with the same thing. He, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And so he answered. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Does that sound familiar to anybody? He said the same thing that that way back when God said start there. And then he added something. He said, but also love your neighbor as you love yourself out of that love for God, love other people. And then before he went off and he, he left this earth to go back into heaven to prepare a place for us. He did this for his disciples. He gave them a great commission. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, this is what I want you to do. Go And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you till the end of the age. You see, before he left, he left a blueprint about what we're supposed to be about. First of all, he said, love me. Second of all, he said, love people. And third, he said, go and make disciples. And just as the Shema laid out this practical vision for reclaiming your children for the kingdom of God, in the same way, God says, you know what? Go and make disciples of all nations. See that go there. It's not just when you go on a mission trip or when you go across the street to love your neighbor or when you go to Hope in in Action Day or Hope in WA and, and when you go and you do this and you're on mission, right? That's better translated as as you go, as you go, as you walk out the door, as you live life, as you go, make disciples of all nations in your everyday life. Do these things. And so Jesus boils it down to say, you know what? The great commandment and the great commission be about these things. And if you've ever been at North Point, you uh, you probably still have a little bit of nightmares about Mike repeating our purpose statement over and over and over again, right? And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's the greats, okay? You've probably seen this. We have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God. And then you have to repeat it 17 times before you get it, okay? And some of you can hear, still hear Mike. But this, at its very core, is what Grace Point's about to be about the great commandment, to be about the great commission, to build a great church in Grace Point Church for our great God, to live out these commands, to love God, to love people and make disciples. So we need to retrain our brain. When we see things like this, when we read the scripture and we, we sit under this teaching about how families can co and reclaim the next generation, that we would say, you know what? I am a part of this. Wade is a part of this. I need to do my part. And so how do you do that? How do you do that? Very practically, just as this was laid out, do you have a table? Anybody have a table at home, a dinner table? Okay. <laughs> scared for the ones that didn't raise their hand. Do you have a bar that you eat at? <laughs> do you have a little TV tray that you put on? Or do you are you just a stander, you know? You're that guy at Thanksgiving that just stands over the food. We all have a table. Man, I, I love what I love about Jesus. One of the, 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 the best things about Jesus is whenever he had meaningful conversations with people, he did it over food. I just love that about Jesus, don't you? I, it gives me permission to eat food and talk to people. And, I, you know, it's, this table, this concept of inviting people in to have these spiritual conversations, we can all do that. We can all do that. We can open up our homes, invite people over, have meals with them, go after church with somebody that you just met at church. Go out to eat. We all eat afterwards. Businesses are like, man, it's Sunday. It's time to, time to see all these Christians and see if they're going to tip or not. You know, and they, 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 we do this thing and we can, we can reclaim the table in our own lives to make it intentional for, for, for the God above in heaven. We can also use our drive time to reach the next generation. We can can hear of needs in our congregation. We can hear of needs in this church and we can pray for them as we drive. Some of the greatest work that we can ever do is go before the throne of God and ask him to pour out his, his mighty power on those that are in need. We can also reclaim our bedtime, to do the same, to pray. And it might sound weird. I'm not going to say, hey, you know how you can do this? You can just have one big slumber party with all your friends at church, right? That's kind of weird. We're not going to do that, but we can reclaim our bedtime. We can reclaim the beds in our home. We can open up our home to foster kids, to reclaim the next generation, to open up our home to be intentional about someone who has need, to make our home available to be used by the kingdom of God. Later in the passage that we're talking about, it says that, that you should write them on your gates and you should write them on your door frames. Man, one of the, the, the coolest thing about this whole door frames thing, I, I've never really thought about that. Like, what do you do? Do you just sit there and like write scripture all around? Maybe you do. I had a church member, uh, Corey Waggahoff, who did some work on, on a, a, a remodel in my bathroom. And one thing that Corey did that I that I love and I cherish is as he had the drywall up before he painted and textured and did all that, he wrote scriptures for my family on my drywall. He wrote them on the door frames. And I love being able to think about that. I had a church member who loved me enough and loved my family enough to live out this scripture very practically, to write them on my door frames so that the blessing of scripture could be in my house. And we can do this as a church. When did we get to a place, when did we get to a place where where church sometimes became just a spectator sport? Where we lost the desire to have our brothers and sisters in Christ together that we could become a family of God. We have to reclaim this so that we can pour into the next generation. And hear me say, I don't mean that all of us should be about, you know, going and and being with the youth and the children and the the, the little babies. And this next generation is the lost. It's the people that are far from God. The people that might be just a step behind you in their spiritual journey. How can we be more intentional about reaching them? Because remember, God has placed every single one of us, and it wasn't by accident for this church to live out this purpose. Even if it's it's something as simple as lifting up your eyes as you walk through the lobby, as you walk through our halls, and asking people how they're doing. How are you? And don't do like the fake, like American, like, how are you? Okay, good. You know, and then walk off. How do we even reclaim that? Also in this verse, it says, There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. Can we reclaim the relationships that we have in our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can love God, love people, and make disciples? I want to do something here just to show that I think we're more connected than we think. Because you might be thinking, well, I just showed up or I just came here and I don't really know anybody. So how do I do this? Well, I want to, I want to show us that we are connected. All right, I'm going to do something a little bit crazy. So um, we have this uh, yarn and uh, I'm going to play it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> We're we're gonna we're gonna do a little thing. I I wanna I'm gonna toss these out, okay, to people that I know, and there's some out in each section, okay. Um, I want to give you a a few ground rules. You're gonna throw this, or sorry, toss this to someone that you know in a minute, okay. And it's I thought this would be self-explanatory, but first gathering was a little slow. Um, You are gonna want to hang on to the end that you have, okay, and so. And we're going to toss it to the person, a person that you know, okay? And you might be brand new, all right? And if, if this, you're like, I, I know no one. If this comes to you, just play along, right? Be like, <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> right? We do that all the time. Anyways, so just just toss it. And, you know, I, I've tested these personally. They, the range, on the, I have a pretty good arm. The range on these things are about 15 yards, Okay. So don't get like really crazy and be like go look, you know. Um but we're going to do this and, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you when to toss it, okay? We're going to we're going to stand up here in a minute and we're going to we're, we're going to toss and you're going to catch it and then we're going to read a scripture together. And as we read this scripture, I want you to think about this. How do I fit into that scripture? How can I practically live out that word from God in reclaiming the next generation. Okay? So there are some stuff up there. We we've already passed these out. I'm gonna pass these to some people that I know. Don't toss them yet. Okay, here you go, Mark. Good catch. Uh, who do I see? Okay. That's a, okay, Mel, here you go. At a girl. Man, do you see those hands? All right. Here you go, Ross. Good job on that video, buddy if you need an opera star, Ross is right there um, later. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, I see you back there. Oh, good catch. Sorry about that. Good thing I chose yarn. All right, Emily, here you go. I'm going to make it difficult because you're at OU. All right. (laughs) Uh, Here you go. Here you go, Drew. And this one, y'all are just going to make a just tangle. Just wrap it around Bill if you get if you run out of people to throw it to, just wrap it around Bill's head, okay? Um, all right, so everybody stand up, and I want you to go ahead and remember to hold on to the, 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 the string before you throw it. Toss it to one person right now. Make that first toss. That you know. All right. Now, let's read, let's read this scripture together, okay? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, make the next toss. Got some great hands in our church. Remind us never to do a turkey bowl, okay? All right, read this one together. The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Make your next toss. Remember to hold on to the string. All right, y'all read this together. Remember to think about how you can live this out. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things things from old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, and the wonders He has done. Make your next toss. All right, let's read this one together. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Make your next toss. Someone really wanted to play with yarn. She's like, no, it to me. Everybody's got a little kitten in them. All right, let's read this together. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's start that one over. I don't, no reason, I just want to read that first part again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another And all the more as you see the day approaching. Make your next toss. I like how some of those catch and they like sling back and hit someone in the face. All right, let's read this together. Teach the older men. Likewise, teach the older women. Then they can urge the younger women. Similarly, encourage the young men. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Make your next toss. All right, two more. Let's read this together. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Make another toss. Nice. I should have kept a video recording to do some fails, a fail compilation at the end of this. All right, let's read this last one together. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day... I declare your marvelous deeds, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation. Your mighty acts to all are who are to come. man. How awesome is this if you can 't have fun in church i don 't know where you can have fun, right <laughs> but this is this is so cool, this picture of how we are all. Intersecting on this thing called life and that God had a specific, a specific role for us and purpose for us to share in these relationships with our brothers and sisters, to share in these relationships and say, you know what? I've got your back. You know what? I'll, I'll be here for you. I'm gonna pray for you because I love you and i love you because i love god and i want to do everything that i can to to help you to help your kids to help your family because we're brothers and sisters under christ and i i love this this is this is one of my favorite verses that that god in every season in every part of our journey called life he is speaking to us he's revealing to us and even when we're old and gray may it be said of us that that lord don't don't take me until i have an opportunity to share your love with everyone that i encounter to the next generation and beyond why don't you guys have a seat real quick i want to i want to take a little picture real quick y'all y'all hold your yarn up okay and uh can I get the house up just, a, yeah, a little bit? All right. This is cool. Now someone jump on top. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this thing always tells me to slow down. You slow down. All right, man, it's so cool. Let me pray for us as we, as we go out. And as we go out, remember these verses. Remember how we're called to live out our faith and reclaim the next generation. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are good. You've given us a purpose that we're not here just walking through life just in, in random, God, but you've given us people to lock arms with. You've given us people to share our lives with. God, would we as the church step out of the sidelines to get in to this thing called life. May we do our part in loving you with everything that we have, loving people as we love ourselves, and making disciples of all nations, God. But may that start here and now in Grace Point Church. May you begin a movement of unity and of love. And we would change our world as we reclaim the next generation. To your name I pray. Amen.
0: So who are you pouring into? Who should you be pouring into? See, I believe that all of us want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. That's going to outlive us. And the only way for that to happen is to invest in other people. And for some, the choice may be obvious. It may be a child or a grandchild, maybe a niece or a nephew. For others, it may be a friend, a co-worker, or a neighbor. But before you begin thinking that, you know, it really doesn't make any difference, it really doesn't matter, let me tell you a little bit about my story. My father and my grandfather were both pastors. So I grew up in an environment where Spiritual conversations were the norm, and it was very natural. And there, there, so there's a legacy behind me, and there's a legacy going forward from me. In fact, this was my uh, my father's life first. and things have to start somewhere. I mean, we weren't. It wasn't always a lineage of pastors behind me. They have to start somewhere, don't they? And with us, it started with my grandfather. My grandfather was orphaned when he was very young. He came to know Christ when he was in his late teens. And his spiritual influence has now stretched almost 100 years and counting through five generations. If you have a spiritual legacy in your family, leverage it. Take advantage of those opportunities that come quite naturally in the course of life as you are going. But if you don't have a spiritual legacy in your family, listen, you can be the first. You can be the one that starts a movement that ripples across the generations. You can be the one that people are thanking generations from now. So very likely this morning the God has brought to mind people that you can be investing in. People that you can be pouring into. How do you start? Well, you can start by praying for them first of all. And then coming alongside them. And as life happens, point them to the God that you know. What's going to be your spiritual legacy? What are you doing to reclaim the next generation?